Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. Our destiny is not merely to go from hell to heaven. Our destiny is God's heart's desire, which is to make us sinners into sons of God, to be constituted the body of Christ for His glorious expression in this universe. Many of us know what it is to struggle against sin and the flesh. And many also know the struggle of never living up to the standard that we or others have set for us. All three require the freeing of the Spirit that's opened up in Romans chapter 8. This is the focus of our life study of the Bible today. This program is provided by Living Stream Ministry and is the fruit of over 75 years of ministry by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. We're pleased to be able to bring you excerpts today of the spoken message of Witness Lee. This is Chris Wilde, and I'm glad to welcome Dick Taylor back with us today to dive into these riches of this marvelous ministry of the New Covenant. Welcome back, Dick. Thank you. It's the Lord's mercy to be back. Once again today, we're looking at the tremendous revelation that God is busy making sinners into sons. I love this. I love this, too. Sometimes you hear the word adopted, inserted into this portion regarding the sons of God, our being the sons of God. Dick, why does the use of this added word really not do justice to what God is fully committed to accomplish in us? I love this phrase, God is busy making sinners into sons. And to be a son of God, you need the life of God. The word adopted uh, doesn't do justice simply because... Uh, of our understanding of adopted, and that is, uh, if a child is adopted by some parents, that child does not have the life of those parents. And we as children of God, at one point, we were not God's children. And then we became God's children when we received his life. In that sense, there's adoption. But actually, the divine meaning here is not really adoption, but sonship. And God is busy doing what we could call sunizing. That is, he's busy as the wonderful, resurrected, life-giving spirit, making our entire being life, so that we can be a full-fledged, fide son of God, who is a duplication and a reproduction of Christ, who is the firstborn son of God. This is God's heart's desire, and this is his economy. And the Lord is busy, first of all, by coming into us when we receive him to make our spirit life. And then as we daily practice to set our mind on the spirit to make our mind life. And through this whole process, he's infusing his life even to our mortal body. And eventually, 
through a process of life-saving, life-salvation, he makes us the same as he in life and nature, not in the Godhead, but so that we could express him properly and adequately in this universe, and we could be absolutely one with him. So adoption just really doesn't do justice. But we have to use the word sonship. The God is sunizing us uh, by dispensing his life into us to make us his full-fledged sons of God. Dick, you know, uh, I think it's interesting that the last time you were with us, we were talking about God making sinners into sons, and that, once again, is the focus of at least this first portion. Let's jump into it with Witness Lee. Amen. That uh, the basic concept of the sinful thought of uh, the book of Romans is that God is working sins out of sinners. God is working sins out of sinners to form the body of Christ. And all the sins are just the members forming the body of Christ to express Christ. In order to accomplish this, God has firstly to take care of what we did. In order to make you a sinner, the son of God, God has to take care of what you did. Our past is not so good. God cannot accept us as his sons because we did have a bad past. A past not so good. So God firstly takes care of our past. He takes care of what we did. Number one. Number two, he also takes care of what we are. You see, even after we got saved, we are still not so good. We are a real problem. Don't you think that we all are a problem? We all are problems. To anything, to anyone, we are a problem. But, thank God, He takes care of what we did. And He takes care also of what we are. We all have to see Christ died on the cross to take care of what we did. And now, the resurrected Christ lives in us. His living takes care of what we are. His death brought the righteousness for us. But his living is working God's holiness into our very element. And this is the way for him to take care of what we are by his living. His living is working God's holy nature as the holiness into our very element to accomplish the subjective sanctification for all of us. And this is the way for him to take care of what we are. Praise him. Praise him. It is by these, by his death, caring for our past, caring for what we did, and by his living, caring for what we are, that God (laughs) is making us, the sinners, his very sins. 
really wonderful. It's really wonderful. Dick, I think we can echo Witness Lee's word. It is really wonderful. God is making sinners into sons. Wonderful. What a view this gives us of all that God is accomplishing in us. Comment more on this thought that two things were covered on the cross to make us sons. Number one, what we did. And number two, what we are. These are two precious points. And it's wonderful how God takes care of what we did and what we are. Through his death, we have obtained righteousness and were therefore justified in the presence of God. By this, our problem of the past, that is, what we did, has been solved. But right this very moment, while this broadcast is going on, Christ is living in us, and he's working God, he's working God's holy nature and holiness into our being to accomplish for us a subjective sanctification. So God takes care of what we did through his precious death on the cross in his Son. And he's taking care of what we are by living a life in us, sanctifying us with his very nature. That is, saturating us and soaking us, soaking us and permeating us with himself as the Holy One. Two precious terms that have been released through Witness Lee in recent years are judicial redemption and organic salvation. We could say the Lord has taken care of what we did through his wonderful, judicially redeeming death on the cross. And presently, he's taking care of what we are through his organic saving. That is the saving in his life. Right now, he is renewing us. He's sanctifying us. He's transforming us. He's conforming us, and eventually we will be totally glorified to be the same as he in life and nature for his expression. So isn't it wonderful? Our wonderful Christ through his death takes care of what we did, and through his saving life within us this very moment, he is making us the same as he to take care of what we are. Dick, in Romans chapter 3, Paul says that all have sinned, and come short of the glory of God. Amen. I think that's the same two matters brought up in our condition before we were saved. That's right. We sinned, and there was no way to express God. But God's taken care of our whole problem through his marvelous Son, through his death and his resurrection and his present living in us right now. Let's rejoin Witness Lee for more of our life study. Now, we still have something to say. Because these four chapters are too profound. I have to point out some main points from these four chapters. Chapter 5 tells us we are constituted sinners. We are sinners constituted with sin. You may say you got saved. You are a sinner no more. In the sins are guilty. But you have to remember, still you have the old element of the old constitution. We are sinners not because we sin, not because we committed some sins. No, we are sinners constituted 
with sin. Even you have to know, before you were born, you were such a sinner already. We were born in Adam, but we have been put into Christ. Chapter 6 tells us, praise the Lord, we all have been baptized into Christ. That means we all have been put into Christ. This is a fact. It doesn't depend upon your feeling. However you feel, don't depend upon that. The fact in Romans 6 is that we all have been put into Christ. In Romans 6, we do have the fact that we have been put into Christ. Amen. We all are in Christ. Now, Romans 6 tells something more. As we are in Christ, our old man has been crucified. Whether you realize it or you don't realize it, this morning the Lord would tell you, man, as you admit that you are in Christ, you have to realize your old man has been lost. Your old man has been <laughs> killed and buried. How about this, brothers? So Paul said, knowing that our old man has been crucified. Knowing. There is a fact you may not know. But this morning, you have to know. In Christ, your old man has been crucified. By your old man being crucified, your body of sin is made of non-effect. So you are afraid from sin. This is chapter 6. Now we come to chapter 7. Because of the fall, sin came into man. Yet man did not realize that man was so sinful. So this forced God to turn down the law, to expose that man was really sinful. The more man tried to keep the law, the more man broke the law. The more man got exposed. The problem of sin has been solved already in chapter 6. We have seen that, right? Now, how could the problem of law be solved? Here in chapter 7, you have the way to be freed from the law. As the old man has been killed in chapter 6, we are freed from sin. Now, as the old man has been killed in chapter 7, we are freed from the law. This is just the first part of chapter 7. Then we have the last part of chapter 7. You see, we do not only have the problem of sin. We do not have only the problem of law. But we, are, we also have another problem. That is the problem of the flesh. That is our fallen body. Our fallen body is no good. It is absolutely no good. It becomes and still is the flesh now. Chapter 7, it tells us in this flesh, nothing good dwells but sin. We have to be freed from three things. Sin, law, and flesh. All these three things came from our fault.
Dick, we've just seen that we have three problems and three glorious freeing facts in Christ. The three problems are sin, the law, and the flesh. I think that it's easy for most of us to realize that sin and the flesh are problems. That's true. But what about the law? Why is it considered a problem that we need to be freed from in the same vein as sin and the flesh? Uh, it's good to have a little background related to this matter. At the time of man's fall, sin came in to man. Uh, however, man did not realize, just like us, how really sinful we are. This made it necessary for God to give man the law. The purpose of the law was to express what God is like. But the purpose of the law was never for man to just try to keep the law. But rather, the law becomes the means for God to expose man and what his real condition is, so that man would turn to God and uh, cry out to him and open up to him for his salvation. So man's sinfulness is exposed through the law. But man has used, like I said, the law in an pro improper way. That is, oh, I'll do the law, I'll keep the law. And he is absolutely in the wrong position by doing this. He's like a wife who's trying to be a husband. And what happens is you just end up getting brought into the realm of death and condemnation. Uh, in chapter 6, we see that our old man was a sinning old man. And the way to get freed from uh, sin is through the death of the old man. That is our death with Christ, our co-death with Christ on the cross, frees us from the sinning old man. And then in Romans chapter 7, the old man is seen as the self-assuming husband. That is the one who says, Oh, I'll do this. I'll take care of keeping the law. I'll do this and that. God never intended that we would be this way. His desire is that we would be the wife, we would depend on him, we would lean on him, and we would cry out to him, Oh, Lord, I need you. We would not act independently and be in this realm. But thank the Lord for the wonderful death of Christ to free us from the sinning old man in chapter 6 and the self-assuming husband old man in chapter 7, so that we could be freed from this condemnation under the law. Glorious freedom. Glorious freedom. Let's rejoin Witness Lee for the conclusion of our life study today. All of us. Four chapters have four different main points. Chapter 5's point is that we were constituted sinners. And chapter 6's point is that our old men have been crucified and we have been freed from sin. Then chapter 7's point is that our old husband has been crucified and we have been freed from the law. Now, the point in chapter 8 is that we are in the spirit, walking according to spirit. So what? So we are freed from the flesh. And we don't owe anything to the flesh. We are not obliged to the flesh. So we are freed from the very flesh. As long as we are walking according to the Spirit. Well, this is here, but I like to apply a little bit. <laughs> Whenever you have someone working with you, 
I don't believe you could not offend him or her within one week. The same with me. You know, as a kind of a habit, after offending him, I got bothered. Huh? In my conscience. So, I went to Lord, and I made the confession, and I asked for forgiveness, and I got it. Even I got the cleansing, because I applied the blood. Right after that, I would make up my mind. From now on, I would never do it again. Tell me, what is this? You do have a term in Romans 7, to will. To will is present with me. To will to do anything good. To will not to lose temper. To will to be a good person. To will to do anything good is always present. But <laughs> to practice it, to perform it, to do it, is not. It's absent. To will is always present. And to do it is always absent. Paul tells us this clearly. To will is present, but to do it is not. It's absent. What shall you do? You just forget about to will, but all the time to have yourself with your mind set upon the Spirit. This is the only key to have your mind with all your being set upon the Spirit. Just practice this one thing. Setting your mind upon your Spirit. And walk according to the Spirit. This is all. Just this much. Don't go on further. We all together have to stay here in chapter 8. Praise the Lord. We were in chapter 5. And we passed through chapter 6. And we passed through chapter 7. Now, we are in chapter 8. To have our mind set upon the Spirit. That day by day, we are here in the Spirit, behaving, walking, living, according to our spirit. Then we have the full release. Now, we are free from sin, we are free from the law, and we are free from the flesh. Dick, it is no doubt helpful to see the established facts of Romans 5, 6, and 7 that really deal with the three big problems that we've been talking about today. But unfortunately, just our knowing these facts doesn't seem to save us from the deadly cycle that's presented in Romans 7, the willing to do good, but always, always failing. That saving experience only comes when we take up residence in chapter 8, with our mind set on the Spirit. Dick, we've talked about this phrase before. What does it mean to have our mind set on the Spirit? Isn't it good to take up residence in chapter 8? Romans 8, 6 says, The mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. It's really helpful to realize that the mind has the position of a wife. She should not act independently, behaving as a husband. 
Christ is our real husband. We should be depending on him, looking to him, turning to him, opening to him. She should say, dear husband spirit. Actually, our mind should say, dear husband spirit. Don't you like that phrase? Christ, as the wonderful life-giving spirit, is now mingled with us in our spirit, and we should exercise the mind to turn to the spirit and say, dear husband spirit. In chapter 7, the mind acts independently in a wrong, self-assuming position as the husband. But in chapter 8, this is where we want to take up residence, the mind becomes the proper wife, maintaining her rightful position and returning to relying on her husband, the wonderful Christ who's the spirit in our spirit. So our need every day is to walk according to the Spirit. Live according to the Spirit. Depend on this wonderful Christ, who's the Spirit in our spirit. I was thinking of 2 Corinthians 3.16, says, Whenever the heart shall turn to the Lord. The marvelous salvation in Romans 8 is the mind, which is a leading part of the heart, turning to the Lord in the Spirit and enjoying life and peace. Rather than being a self-assuming husband and ending up in death and condemnation, our mind can be under the constant dispensing of Christ our husband to make our mind life to express the Lord uh, in our daily living and for the body of Christ. Isn't this precious? So this is the mind that is set on the spirit, the mind turning to the husband and saying, Dear Husband Spirit, you know, Dick, we began the life study of Romans with a marvelous unfolding uh, that the entire Bible is this divine romance, and the placing of Romans is very critical in this romance. It's really good that here in this middle portion of the book, we come back to see that our position is really, as you described, a proper wife, leaning, depending fully on our real husband. Amen. Christ. Christ. The life-giving spirit. A life-giving spirit. This is a touching, profound portion of God's Word. Very experiential. Dick, I know you're off for a few days, and we wish you Godspeed and His full blessing, and look forward to your returning very soon. Thank you very much, and we'd also like to say God bless every single one of you who are listening to this broadcast with a very dispensing of the wonderful Christ as the life-giving spirit. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. You can now enjoy titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee on your computer, tablet, or smartphone. Visit lsm.org slash ePublications to find all that Living Stream has available. We support Kindle, Nook, iSilo, and ePub formats, which means you can enjoy this ministry on all kinds of PC and Mac devices. Many of our publications are also available on Amazon.com and at iTunes. But to see everything we have to offer, visit our website at lsm.org slash ePublications. Thanks for listening today.